art, first of all, I'm going to put this out there and it might drive some people crazy, but art is and can be anything, anything. Art is for everyone. Art is Art is an expression of being human. And art is everywhere. I just want to leave it at that. Because, again, this there's a trap in kind of art interpretation. You have to sort of sometimes either dig deep or use some pretentious terms. And I don't want to do that because art happens in the space between words. And art is a feeling. Welcome to the Art and Life podcast with your host, Taylor Gallegos. Art exists all around us, in all directions, from all walks of life. We just need to know how to see it. The Art and Life podcast is an experiment in an audio format that focuses on the art and philosophy involved with different people and their life paths. This experiment is intended to inspire you in your creative pursuits, whatever they may be. Follow along as I interview movers and shakers from all walks of life. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, craft, or vision. These interviews showcase that fact. Listen while you work. Listen while you create. Listen while you dream up the next big breakthrough. First off, I want to say thank you for listening. The people being interviewed and I are two parts of the podcast, but it wouldn't be complete without you, the listener. I very much appreciate your attention and your energy, and I hope you get as much out of this as I do. If you enjoy what you hear, you can join me on this artistic journey in many ways. You can subscribe to the show, leave a review, share it around. You can join the conversation on the Art and Life Facebook group where you get notified of fresh episode drops. You can join my email list on my website at taylorgallegosart.com, the contact page. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at taylorgallegosart. And finally, you can support me on Patreon. So again, a deep and sincere thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Now, on to the good stuff. Well. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos, and uh, with me today is a very special guest. I'm super pumped. Um, this is this is very exciting for me because uh, this person is a uh, high caliber human being. Uh, so this person is an award winning actress, author, philanthropist, and long term art collector. She's been enjoyed a multifaceted career in the entertainment arts beginning in India in 1991 and spanning multiple countries, straddling film in Oscar-nominated water, television, 
Top Chef Canada, International Emmy nominated, Four More Shots Please, Modeling, Activism, and Public Speaking. She also starred in the award-winning The World Unseen, a culturally sensitive drama that explores a same-sex relationship between two Indian women under apartheid in South Africa. So, with that, I want to introduce to you Lisa Ray. Lisa, thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, well, it is such a pleasure. Uh, it was worthwhile setting my alarm for 6 a.m. <laughs> since, I'm, since I'm here in Dubai and you're in San Francisco. <clears throat> but love being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of cool because you're at 7 a.m. and I'm at 7 p.m. Um, right on the dot. So we're like exactly on the opposite sides of the planet right now exactly i love that i love that there's there's a beautiful kind of proportion and synchronicity to that <laughs> there is <laughs> um awesome so why don't we get started with um i mean you're you're so multifaceted and there's so many different spots to jump in um so i think maybe the best place to start is why don't you just tell us what what you're most passionate about right now that's actually a great place to jump off from. Um, right now, uh, it's definitely building my art platform called the Upside Space. And, you know, you do tend to stand where we are in the present moment. And then we have the benefit of looking into the rear view mirror and saying, oh, now I understand doing that led me to doing that, led me to doing that, led me to doing that. You know, you start connecting all the dots. So <clears throat> for me to have the balls to basically co-found um, an online digital arts platform um, at this stage of my life, I just turned 50, um, I think has been built on all my previous experiences. You know, living obviously a life in the creative arts or living creatively certainly opens, um, opens an individual to taking on certain possibilities that otherwise a little voice in your head might say, no, you're not trained to do that. You can't do that. Um, so I have a great foundation in taking risks and doing the things that, um, you know, taking the path that's less taken and um, doing the things that people tell you you're not supposed to do. Um, but also having said that, where I have landed today is a result of, you know, an equal amount of highs and lows. And uh, it's the lows that have actually informed my decisions, I would say. Um, you know, in 2009, I was diagnosed with a very serious cancer. And, you know, it's a bit of a cliche to say that that obviously turned me inside out, upside down, and helped me to redefine my vision to get a lot more clarity. But it's a cliche for a reason. It's a fact. And all those particular steps have led me to really fulfilling my vision and finding my passion and being able to put it into action in the world. And uh, so that's where I'm at today. I still am very passionate about, you know, a lot of other creative endeavors. Uh, I occasionally still act. It's not my primary passion. I'm the first person to say that. Um, I have written a book 
called Close to the Bone. And I am working on uh, a new book simultaneously to um, building this online arts platform. So <clears throat> I think that being able to embrace a lot of different projects and being able to live in flow is, um, is a skill that I've been working on for a long, long time. And basically getting out of my own way uh, is also a very, very helpful skill to um, cultivate. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's a, I mean, in, in doing any creative endeavor, there's always the, the voices that you know, inside and coming from elsewhere that tell you like, no, you can't, or maybe you shouldn't for whatever reason. But exactly. the farther you go along, you know, the more you, you connect with the reasons why, or maybe you, do you think you like listen to the reasons not to less and less? Do you just shut them out or are you like better at pushing through those? Yeah, I'm a lot less fearful. Um, which doesn't mean that fear does not exist <laughs> in me. Um, but, you know, I don't tune into that channel as much. You know, I'm able to um, hear the voices, hear the voice of fear and then proceed in spite of it or despite it. And, you know, again, that's kind of something that I've cultivated over many years. I mean, I, I should probably back up a little bit because I call myself an accidental actress. I ended up in India in 1991 serendipitously, which is one of my favorite words because I am a word person and I always wanted to be a writer. And I wanted to try to figure out the best possible profession where I would have the least possible human contact. And therefore I became an actress. So <laughs> the irony of um, fate sometimes. So I landed up in India in 1991. And you know, it's it's a bit of a convoluted, uh, long story. And also, um, you know, uh, kind of trauma based as well. But, you know, I was thrown into this world that I hadn't anticipated that I hadn't dreamed about. And yet I decided to sort of take advantage of the opportunities that were in front of me, because what I wanted to do was write, how do you become a good writer unless you've had a lot of world experiences. So travel and, you know, treating life as kind of a, a buffet, a s'mores, you know, a smorgasbord, what, what's that word, that lovely Scandinavian word um, of experiences was, was really important to me. And that's all I had my heart set on, not actually developing a career, which is kind of controversial coming from, you know, daughter of immigrants as well. And I was born in Canada. And, you know, so being in front of the camera was simultaneously liberating and deeply terrifying. And I hated being the center of attention. And there were a lot of aspects of being, first of all, a model, and then later an actress that never sat well with me. And, you know, and that I struggled with, because I struggled with identity. I struggled with being labeled and being viewed a certain way. And, you know, again, this was the 90s in Bombay, where India was just starting to flourish. It was starting to, you know, on its path of liberalization from a socialist economy. Um, so some path of consumerism as well. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm not that proud of feeding into that particular kind of a culture. But, you know, I was young and lost and trying to find my voice in the world. 
and what I knew every day is that I was not fulfilling my um I was not fulfilling my personal passion and my purpose in life and you know it felt like I was in this constant kind of um, purgatory trying to figure out like you know it was a big placeholder now from the outside though it appeared like I made a big splash in India at that particular point of time uh, I became an overnight sensation you know in the way that those old Hollywood tales are like you know oh she landed up in LA and somebody spotted her in a coffee shop and offered her a movie role and boom she was a star and, you know, we know that that doesn't happen, happen very often, but it actually did happen to me that way. But I was also leading kind of a double life, you know. There was the young, as I said, lost, but very curious young woman trying to find her place in the world and her voice, who's very passionate about art. I actually, true tale, ended up spending my very first uh, paycheck on a piece of art. And then there was the image of me that was out there of being this very um, groomed, sophisticated looking kind of sex symbol. That's how I started my um, career. And um, so it was very difficult to reconcile the two. And in a sense, a lot of people are always labeling me and trying to tell me who I was, right? Um, according to people's perceptions. And the thing about being um, a recognized celebrity in India is again, it's a double-edged sword, is you get receive a lot of love and attention. Indian fans are unlike anywhere else in the world, you know? And I don't care if you're also talking about Brad Pitt or George Clooney, Indian fans vis-a-vis -vis the people that they love will outshine, out-love any major you know, the, the kind of attention that a major Hollywood celebrity gets. So of course that's very intoxicating. But on the flip side, I was labeled, you know, everyone had decided this is who you are and this is who you're gonna be and stay in your lane. And because, you know, again, I was, I was still very young and I didn't, you know, I was looking for guidance. Um, I didn't know how to break out of that. And, you know, it sounds like, oh, woe is you, you know, that sounds like a good, good problem to have. But the fact is that I was also sitting on a lot of trauma as well that I also was in denial about. So I just kind of used the work as a distraction. And I worked obsessively as a model and actress throughout the 90s in India until I finally had the guts to break free and to be able to explore other aspects of myself, which I was doing quietly, but I, I finally got the courage to be able to, um, first of all, leave India, which is very hard. That was my comfort zone and that was where I was known. And I ended up moving to the UK, just taking a chance, just not really having a plan in mind, but realizing that I had to be able to, um, to find myself. And that's the irony is a lot of people go to India to find themselves. I had to go to England to find myself and leave yeah. India behind. And, you know, and to fulfill my passions, as I said, of whether it was writing or of cultivating a relationship with the art world, I actually had to leave my career behind as an actor, even though I continued that, but you know, I continued deepening it in a way that wasn't accessible to me in India. Wow.
Wow. Yeah, totally. Sorry if I kind of jumped around, you know, it, it has been a little bit of an odd life. I call myself a serial relocator as well. I've lived in a lot of different places <laughs> um, uh, over the years, which is an education in and of itself. But here's the irony, of course, that, that actually the point I was trying to make when I was sort of at the pinnacle of making money and having a reputation, fame, all the things that we are taught to by society to aspire for, um, I was the least fulfilled. I was feeling the most hollow, purposeless, adrift, you know? So the outside image did not actually coincide with the inner experience. And that in a way was a blessing because it sent me on a trajectory of exploring and finding what is it that is actually going to fulfill me and I realized it was actually being very present to the granular kind of mundane aspects of our everyday life which is really what art is about art isn't always about elevating those big moments you know the you know the fountain shooting in our life or actually you know the big achievements art is about paying attention to what's around us here and now and that's when I started really living the life of a creative um, as opposed to a product which I was uh, as a model for most of the 90s and that's again where I'm very very aligned and very passionate about um, promoting the cause of creators and artists um, in this phase of my life yeah, yeah. Uh, okay so I'm, I'm curious uh did it okay so you were feeling hollow so you were have you got you were hitting like a high point of your career money fame all the things but you yeah. were feeling hollow and you you mentioned the the trauma that you had in the past was there sort of like a crossroads of it all at that point when you were feeling the emptiness um mm. and then you dove into the was your art that you dove into was that connected with the trauma is there a connection there or, or are they totally separate no i think that it's not possible to keep them separate you know um you know the human experience is such that actually everything is interconnected and the way that we live and express ourselves everything is obviously an expression of our inner experience, I think. Even if we're trying to hide it, that's also kind of a reaction to an inner experience. So art and creating necessarily flows from all of that, whether it's trying to make sense of, you know, uh, what you're going through, your present moment, or the world around us, and the human, the beautiful, messy human experience. So <clears throat> creativity has obviously been a, a very important outlet for me, and it's taken many different forms. All along, I have been very attracted to um, collecting contemporary Indian artists. And because I found that as I was also searching and trying to consolidate my identity, see, so here, look, just to give context, you know, I'm half Indian, half Polish, born in Toronto, ended up in Bombay, and then became a citizen of the world before it was a thing. So <clears throat> where do you define yourself? Where do you belong? Where's your sense of belonging? Where's your anchor in the world? And in fact, I found my anchor in art, both in collecting art, in 
in, in creativity. And, you know, for a long time, my outlet was acting. Um, I did go to England and I did, you know, train in, uh, I went to drama school there, even though I didn't have to, I had a professional career, but, you know, it was something that I wanted to understand on a deeper level. And I think that again, by virtue of being a creator or a creative, you, you attract into your circle a lot of other people who have different mediums, but you know, the impulse is the same. Yeah. So writers, um, visual artists, actors, etc. That's always really been my jam and where, you know, and that's been my comfort zone. But in terms of addressing, like you said, the intersection between trauma and hollowness, that definitely did also send me on a trajectory of meditation, of trying to explore, uh, you know, it's hard to say, you know, the forces that are larger than ourselves. And that was, that's been a really important and significant part of my personal journey as well. Um, <clears throat> you know, I ended up, I would, I would, I would maybe work on a gig and then I would withdraw. I ended up going to a place called Dharamshala, which is beautiful. It's up in the mountains in India, in the Himalayas. And it's actually now the de facto home of the Dalai Lama and the exiled Tibetan community. And, you know, it's, it's a wonderful um, haven for anyone who's looking to explore, you know, Tibetan Buddhist practices, which otherwise would have died out by now. So, um, you know, I ended up going there and dropping out, you know, uh, for about six months. And it was very instinctive, my attraction to meditation. I'd never done it before. I had a very restless mind. I was a very restless human being, wanting to do too much simultaneously, plagued by my thoughts. I'm sure there are people out there who can relate to that. And at the same time, obviously, we are living in a society that's telling us that productivity is really the end goal. You have to be constantly busy. You have to be constantly productive, even as a creator. And, you know, I wasn't giving myself time to reflect and to be able to actually plan my next move. It was just happening. It was like a big, messy kind of train. And I was just constantly trying to keep busy because I was trying to fill that empty hole and trying to distract myself from my trauma. So it was like meditation, I thought would release my creativity. And so I ended up, you know, I still remember I, I stopped in Dharamshala and I saw this sign. I was with a couple of friends and we were kind of backpacking and hanging out and eating Tibetan momos and just, you know, kind of philosophizing together. But I saw a, a sign that said 10 day silent meditation retreat. This is not Vipassana, but it was an introduction to Tibetan Buddhism. And something in me just said, I have to do this. Like it was literally a force much bigger than me. Um, because it doesn't sound like the most pleasant thing to do, does it? You know, especially when you come with a group of friends. But fortunately, my friends were very supportive. I said, I'm really sorry, I have to go in and do that. They said, okay, we'll hang out, we'll go hiking and have some pizza and you know, try to catch the Dalai Lama. And um, so I went into a place called Tushita. And I came back out after 10 days. And my friend said, how was it? And my response was, you know what? It was the most horrible thing I have ever done in my life. And I'm going back in. So it was that kind of medicine that I had been looking for. 
to release, you know, a lot, not only release the trauma, but to go deeper inside, to have a framework from which to understand myself. And, you know, when I say, you know, identity was something that had plagued me for a lot of my life, it was because I was looking for an outer identity. It's because I was struggling with, you know, external labels and who people thought I was. And I wasn't able to articulate that until I started studying Tibetan Buddhism because I realized it was all about digging deep and looking inside and being able to really authentically drop those labels. So meditation, you know, so basically trauma, you know, and trying to find purpose and creativity and also releasing creativity led me to meditation. And so that's been another really important thread in my life. And I've also connected over the years with a lot of interesting uh, artists who use mindfulness and meditation that is thankfully spoken about a lot more openly in the world today. An interesting fact on the platform that I've co-founded, The Upside Space, one of our um, inaugural curators is from Bhutan. And he has curated the most exquisite kind of collection of contemporary Bhutanese artists, as well as traditional Tanka masters um, in, you know, for the upside space. So basically we're bridging, we're bridging um, the traditional art world with the digital art world and blockchain. We are creating NFTs, but what we're doing is we are doing our best to actually kind of say that this technology, you know, should be accessed by everyone. Even if you are sitting in Thimphu in Bhutan, um, you know, access to the technology should not be an excuse to be able to play in the field of global visibility. So I, I'm bringing that back to sort of the passions, how everything, as I said, all the dots and all the threads were kind of, you know, have led me to this point. And I'm so passionate about the world being able to see the incredible artwork out of a place like Bhutan, which is steeped in traditional values, but obviously with a contemporary twist, you know, there's, there's a young generation in Bhutan who is reinventing the traditional iconography of Bhutanese um, artists and art. And that's anyways, so you see what I mean? I think that life is just this wonderful kind of thread um, it's, it's really like a yarn ball <laughs> where everything works together and everything is interconnected. And that's again, something that my Buddhist, um, practices have taught me as well, that, you know, I owe everything that came before good or bad, however we might label it to where I am today. Yeah. And it, it ties in that synchronicity that you're mentioning earlier. Um, yeah, everything's sort of like perfectly in place to be where you're at now. Um, exactly. I'm wondering if you could give us a nice breakdown of what the upside space is and how it works. And you guys haven't launched Thanks, it yet. Taylor. <laughs> no, I mean, um, thank you so much. Um, yeah, for giving me the opportunity to talk about this you know, this, this platform that is so much more than a platform. It's so much more than a marketplace. That's definitely what, what we like saying. It was conceptualized to be more than a marketplace. You know, I think our, the purpose of the upside space comes to life as kind of an online, online creator lab, 
a studio, a community, a really engaged community. But, you know, to give you sort of the elevator pitch, uh, the Upside Space is a curator-led online digital arts platform that spotlights artistic practices from Southeast Asia, South Asia, and the Middle East. And we are very, very stoked about spotlighting and highlighting these artistic practices for a global audience. So we are in also the business of bridging where uh, we are making NFTs for, an, for a global audience. Um, and NFTs, we're using it very mindfully. I like saying that we are actually a 2.5 web, a web 2.5 platform as opposed to a 3.0 because we are carrying over some values of the traditional art world that we think are really important to be carried into the web, uh, the web three kind of community, which is curation, right? Curation offers an audience the experience of being able to access a narrative, you know, to being able to see art in context and through a storyteller's eyes. And the curator is kind of your art buddy because otherwise what is really now characterizing the art NFT world is sort of like this endless scrolling of being, you know, going through a platform and having to scroll and scroll and scroll and like sort of see these one-off visuals and not being able to put them into context, not really understanding always the artist's kind of intention behind them or understand, you know, the artist's, you know, kind of cultural background. So we're all about being able to use, harness the incredible possibilities of NFTs and blockchain, but to be able to fill our passion of, you know, making sure that no one is left behind and being able to bring these untapped geographies into the cultural global art conversation. That's what the upside space is about. And we see nothing but an upside. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And so uh, that makes total sense. Like the, the curator led element is a, is like a major feature here. And then it's yeah. cool because you're representing these geographic spaces and then um, from there, I mean, you're the curator, you, I'm assuming that you and your, your team, like you all know these, these geographic spaces, and then you know the cultural nuances that help. Yeah, well, Is that well, yes and no, because we actually work with you, we partner with curators. So our curators are our partners and enablers. Sure. Um, you know, much as I'm familiar with the Indian art scene, perhaps, or the contemporary Indian art scene, India is a huge country yeah. with so much diversity, it'd be impossible to reflect, like to have a single curator or a single storyteller reflect the entirety of India. So for instance, what we do is we collaborate with curators from all these different regions. Um, for the uh, first, for like a kickoff for our launch, we have eight curators right now, all representing really different regions. We have Bandana Tiwari from Bali. And here's the other thing about our curators, right? Like, look, NFTs actually do address a lot of the ritualistic steps of the traditional art world and a lot of the barriers to entry of the traditional art world. And this is something that I understand as a kind of, um, 
art collector, but not somebody who's trained in art, not somebody who can stand in front of an art piece necessarily and rattle off you know, a long interpretation. My relationship with art is really very instinctive and very from the heart, um, which is what it should be for everyone. There are so many uh, kind of mental barriers. You know, Whenever you start discussing art, often I find there will be at least half of the room who will put up their hands and say, I don't understand art. That's the first you know, kind of defense mechanism or the first reaction. And the point is that the traditional art world has created this kind of, you know, um, this impression of the art world that somehow or the other, either you're an insider or you're, or you're an outsider. You're either on the inside or you're on the outside. If you're on the outside, you just don't understand it. You can't speak about it. You're not allowed to comment about it. And actually there's nothing to understand. I'm sorry, there's nothing to understand. Art is for everyone. Going back to what I was saying, it's really about personal artistic expression. Anyone can be a creator. And of course, NFTs have addressed all of these problems by the democratization of art, by giving agency back to artists, by being able to access a global audience, by breaking all those boundaries, you know, all the gatekeeping that is there and being able to say like, here it is. It's up to you to make your own decisions, to have your own relationship with both the art and the artist, to have a direct relationship with the creator, which is not possible in the traditional gallery system. So anyway, so all those things really address all of that. But we were passionate about collaborating with curators because in our case, right, like I'm, again, very, you know, I consider myself Indian, South Asian. Um, I've lived all over Asia. I've lived in Hong Kong, Singapore, you know, I'm now based in Dubai. I understand these regions. I understand, you know, how rich they are in terms of artistic expression. There's cultural heritage, but also, Taylor, what's really exciting is what's going on in the younger generation and how they're reinterpreting the so-called traditional art practices. You know, the contemporary art, art scene in all of these cities, whether you're talking about like, you know, um, Vietnam, um, Bali, um, cities in India, urban cities in India, uh, you know, I highlighted Bhutan, all of these places, Pakistan, um, it's so exciting. And I find that for like a global audience, like, a, you know, let's talk about a North American audience, they won't necessarily be able to access those art practices. They won't even know where to start. So we felt that because there are other great platforms like Foundation and Rarible and Super Rare and all of that, um, that definitely offers a great platform for great artists, NFT artists, etc. We were like, that's happening out there. What we need to do is elevate these geographies, these regions, the world needs to know. And the artists from these regions deserve, as I said, to be spoken about in the same breath as a lot of the Western creators, which I'm sorry to say, Taylor, it's just not, it's, it's just not happening still in the global art conversation. And, you know, art is a kind of a form of a soft power as well. You know, I mean, in terms of like the current decolonization that's going on in a lot of these regions, you know, where they're talking about India, that's like a really strong cultural kind of movement that's going on of being able to find like what is 
the South Asian voice, when we've taken away all those years and years and years of living under the colonist thumb, um, you know, that's a really interesting practice to engage with, you know? And so when you do that, you're not just buying a piece of art, you're engaging with a culture, with a movement, you're supporting that artist's uh, practice directly. And then when you're able to, you know, share your NFT so widely and easily as you are with NFTs, whether you put it like in, you know, um, use it as your profile pic, put it on social media, have it up on a TV screen in your house, you know, it becomes like a conversation piece. And that's the best of what art can offer. And that's why we're so passionate about that. And we want to create community conversation and discovery, because believe me, there's so much to discover and talk about. Um, when it comes to these regions. It's such an exciting time. And, um, and, you know, coming into their own, like art is really the greatest vehicle for being able to address a lot of inequities in the world of having those, you know, kind of more serious discussions, but, but, but still lightly, still sometimes humorously, still through the lens of a creator's network. I see a win-win situation in terms of, you know, being able to do this and create community around this. Oh, I'm going to slow clap here for you. Because <laughs> I told you, don't get me started. Awesome. I can really go on and on and on and on about this. It's just so awesome. But check this out, Taylor. I knew nothing about NFTs and blockchain um, up until about a year ago. Yeah. Like nothing. My husband's been in the space and it's, it's really funny. I'll tell you this one little anecdote because, you know, this is what it's like to have a partner uh, who is like very different. My husband's radically different from me. I'm like the, the creative. He's like the very linear thinker, finance, da, da, da. So he's been dealing with like crypto and blockchain. So dinner conversation, you know, blah, 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 blockchain, blah, 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 crypto, blah, blah, goes in one ear and out the other. And then I'll be like talking about some art exhibit I've been to. La, 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 it was just incredible. You know, it was like this unperformance piece of la, 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 goes in one ear and out the other. And then finally, my co-founder, Aisha Khan, who's based in Singapore and who I met when we were living in Singapore very briefly during the pandemic, um, actually contacted me and said, Lisa, what do you think? I know you're passionate about art. What do you think about marrying these two, marrying the art with this new technology so that we can share our artistic, you know, all of the art from the regions that we're passionate about with the diaspora, with a new, a brand new kind of audience with the world. And I said, you know, that sounds really interesting, but I don't know anything about this. You know, I'm not really into tech and everything. So I was sitting and discussing this with my husband. He's like, I don't know. You know, I don't want to stare at a screen all day and blah, blah, blah. And I don't understand it. And my husband said, hang on a second. You consider yourself creative, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> hello. <laughs> um, he said, so what is the spirit of creativity? Oh, well, come on. Being creative means, you know, always pushing the boundaries, looking at what's new, future facing, um, <clears throat> not just, you know, sitting comfortably, you're not accepting the status quo, blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, you know, that's exactly the spirit of technology and innovation. And I went, 
whoa, hang on a second. It's so interesting, right? We have to constantly challenge our belief systems. And I had to like go away, sit down and true, 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 true storyteller. I made, I made like a little diagram for myself, you know? I said, okay, this one line represents the evolution of art. This one line represents the evolution of innovation or technology, pre-digital age. I was like, damn, it's the same spirit. They are completely aligned and they're continuing in parallel. But every time these two have intersected, some revolutionary kind of new movement has resulted from that. Yeah. You know, printing press. I mean, something as yeah. basic as putting art into tubes led to the Impressionist movement, right? And today we'll go to like a museum, you go to the Louvre and you see a Monet, a Manet, you know, one of the Impressionist painters is worth hundreds of millions of dollars and people are just like, oh, it's so lovely. But when it came out, it was so disruptive. The world <laughs> refused to accept that as art, which brings me to exactly where we are today with art and NFTs. I mean, we're at a tipping point. There is a community that is accepting it, that understands the potential, embracing it. But I'm all about converting a new audience to, 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 to be able to embrace art on such a mass scale that we stop saying, you know, we stop defining it. It's an art NFT. It's a physical piece of art. It's a canvas. It's all art. And it's for everyone. It's everyone's right to own art. Yeah, I love that. Um, one thing that really stood out, uh, I totally agree. <laughs> I totally agree on all of that stuff there. Um, but one thing that really stood out with the upside space and what you're talking about is a lot of the, the digital places for NFTs, um, like you said, they're this giant ocean of art and like, where do you even start and how do you find people? And, and also it, it's dominated by the big figures and from there um you know you're kind of you're kind of just like on your own to learn about different people and where they're at and where they're coming from but like uh with yours being curator led and you know showing these artists from these regions and these spaces and these mindsets um you know the person who's going into the gallery quote unquote is going to have the context laid out for them and they're going to have sort of a guide on their way to show like, hey, you should check this out and these artists and this is what's happening here and these are these ideas and these are the movements. And so it's it's almost like, you know, it's like walking into a giant museum with no frame of reference. And like mm. a lot of the art will kind of go over your head, your head if you don't know the background. Whereas if you have that little ear thing, you know, the little like guy walking. Yeah, around, yeah, exactly. Right. Is by so-and-so and this is the motivation um you you can get it so much more and it's better for the artists who made the work because their art is better better received and then it's also yeah. better for the viewers experience because then they know what they're looking at and then things click and that's when the connections can happen between the artist the viewer the concept the movement everybody and like what you're doing is is uh, you're connecting the pieces, you're building bridges. It's really cool. Thank you. I'm so glad you brought that up. You know, that little voice in your head when you go into a museum. Now, I, I actually forgot about that. Yeah. And it's true. That changes your experience dramatically. So that's what we want to do. We want to get into your head. 
Yeah. <laughs> Get in there and help us out. I mean, to help be serious, like I, our curators are art buddies. That's literally how we see, you know, how we see them, you know. And and one thing I wanted to highlight is that, you know, we have also, we're, we're kind of redefining who can be a curator. Because in the traditional art world, a curator, of course, is an art professional and they're very, um, you know, well trained and well versed in art movements. And, you know, and listen, they do a fantastic job. I really celebrate them. But on the upside, while we have art professionals, professional art curators, uh, a curator can be a senior artist because here's the thing when you have a senior artist saying look at these emerging artists you actually are again creating community uh, for those emerging artists you're giving a kind of a in that sense a seal of approval to their artworks you're elevating them and elevating um, you know their visibility so that's really cool, we think. And that's, again, about creating community. A gallerist can be a, a, a curator as long as they curate outside of the roster of artists. Because often, look, gallerists, it's not their fault that they can only represent so many artists. So there's a lot of talent that falls between the cracks. Or they might be following another artist's career. And you know, this is an opportunity for them to celebrate that. But the last category, which is actually in a way the most fun and exciting is, you know, a curator can come from a sister industry. It's anyone with a really strong perspective and an interesting perspective. So you could be a designer, you could be an architect, you can be a musician and we're courting all these people. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm highlighting Bandana Tivari who's um, curating for us out of Bali and she is the ex-fashion um, editor for Vogue India. And she moved to Bali about 10 years ago um, because her daughter was going to the green school. And, you know, it really marked a huge shift in her life and that she's now renowned as a sustainability activist. Um, and, you know, so she has a very unique perspective and relationship with Bali and the Indonesian culture. So she's not necessarily a trained curator. Um, she's never actually done this before, but she was so chuffed to do it because she has something to say. And the artists that she, you know, that she's, that she's curated for exhibit are all a reflection of her passion for this incredible, beautiful island, you know? And I think that the, the theme is called Sama Sama, which is a uniquely Indonesian saying, which is almost like same, same, but different. You know, so everybody gives us a very unique lens into that region. And that's what's like, I find it so exciting. I just literally can't wait for us to go live and to be able to share this. Cool. Well, that's awesome. And I'm, I'm sharing your excitement. That's really cool. Um, Thanks. You ready for the question section of the podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so this these questions, I choose four questions for each season. So everybody this season is getting the same questions in the next season. Okay. Developing it, them into new ones. So um, question number one, I'm really excited to hear your, your thoughts on this. Is, uh oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> okay. What is your advice to aspiring creatives? And creatives is with a capital C. Creatives of all backgrounds, all genres of creativity all styles all geographic regions um mm. everybody yeah 
So I would start out by saying first recognize that your life is your tool as a creative and as a creator. I think that you can't compartmentalize and the quicker that you realize that, the more I think rich and nuanced your practice will become. So don't, don't compartmentalize and certainly don't expect to live a compartmentalized kind of a life or lifestyle. Do something else. Um, then also, when we understand that, as I said, artistic expression is a reflection of, um, I would say, inner states, and for some people have said literally almost becoming a channel or a vehicle. I think you have to actually also do the inner work and you have to have something to say. What do you wanna say with your art? You may not always be consciously directing it, but as, as a human, what do you stand for and what do you want to say? And that is an ongoing process that will continue for your entire life. So expose yourself to everything. If, you're, if you view your life as, again, your tool and the vehicle uh, for your self-expression, you've got to get out there and do it all. You've got to travel. You've got to meet people from a cross-section. You've got to experience a little bit of everything. And that's part of your work. So make it part of your work. The other thing is going back to some, you know, point that I've touched on is recognize that all the tools you need are in the here and now. So get comfortable being alone, being quiet, being still, finding the beauty in the everyday and the mundane, not always searching for the next adrenaline filled high. The next thing I would advise for a creator in today's world is you've got to detox from social media. You've got to be able to switch it off. Um, it's not gonna help your process. It's great, it's a great tool, but don't let that tool control you. So I think that's really essential. I see it for writers. There's actually apps now for writers where you can actually like, actually switch off or lock your phone so you're not even tempted to yeah. search. Uh, yeah, there, seriously, there's apps for that. And I would advise that for any creative. I mean, it's, it's kind of poignant that we're, that's what we need in today's world, but that's what we need. And the last thing is, you know, it's a much overused word, but I don't have another word for it is authenticity. So put that at the center of, you know, your vision for what you want to do. And that's going to take time. If that's a slow burn, don't look for any quick gains. Don't look to like, ah, oh, I think I found it. I mean, maybe you will find it, but enjoy the process. Yeah, that's great. great. Oh yeah. And be a little crazy. Embrace your inner crazy. There you go. Don't forget that. <laughs> Please embrace your inner crazy because it's, you know, the world is mad. And there's this great master that I follow um, who once said that the world is mad. Therefore, the only legitimate response, the sanest response 
since the world's version of normal is actually not normal, is to be a bit crazy. That's yeah. the only legitimate response to the world that we live in today. That's right. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Great advice. All of that. Um, perfect. Okay, now uh, question two is, what, Lisa, would you like uh, life to look like in five years from now? Oh, I like it. Visioning. <laughs> I love this. Okay. I definitely want uh, the upside space to become a global platform for change. You know, we have a grand vision and we're putting it into action step-by-step. Step. And here's what it is, it's purpose-driven tech. And I would love the conversation around disruptive technology to also be about the intent behind it, not just about the tech or flipping or making money. Look, as a creator, monetizing your output is really important. And we wanna put those tools back in the hands of creators. And I wanna be able to see the upside space just literally launch hundreds of thousands of artists into the digital realm to see them actually take control of their careers, to be able to have an income not dependent on local circumstances and to be able to just fly, to be liberated, you know, from a system that has always held them back from their voices. So I want that to be like a global movement and the upside space. I want that to be one of the drivers behind it. I got to think big. I'm a co-founder. Um, in five years, I think, you know, I, I love living in the UAE. And I think that the UAE is going through an incredible renaissance right now. If you look at finance and tech driving culture or driven by culture, um, the cultural movement right now in the UAE and in Dubai is incredible. So um, I would love to be able to be a part of that, to, to help to build it and build the, the conversations here because it's still very new and fresh. And that's what's exciting when you're in New York or London or Paris, you get super inspired, but it's super saturated. And here we can actually write the story. So I wanna be one of the story writers and I wanna be spending half of my year in Bali. There, there you go. <laughs> that sounds like a great plan. I got to go to Bali once and I loved it. It was a beautiful place. It's amazing, isn't it? Where were you? When were you there? Um, I got to go right after I graduated high school. Uh, there was like a, a trip that was with this uh, local high school that I got to go with. And um, yeah, I'd never been out of the country like that before and in a whole new culture. We went to Ubud and mm -hmm. uh, someone just kind of traveled around for like a week and it was lovely and we got to have these like cool interactions with local artists and like got to experience uh there was like this show with the like masks and dancing and oh yeah where they do like the ramayan it's like an old hindu kind of mythology right yeah, yeah. yeah. like a yeah. storytelling of the mythology yeah it was it was really cool it was it was great it's such a i mean it's such a unique 
island. Uh, we have such a strong, I have some, myself and my family have such a strong relationship with Bali. True fact, this is not necessarily for the podcast, but just true fact. Um, we were supposed to move to Bali. Everything was set up. We were in Boston, COVID. My husband's family is based in Boston. And um, two days, like, so I had enrolled my kids in the green school. If you haven't seen what the green school is up to, check it out. It's just fabulous. It's mind blowing. And um, <clears throat> I enrolled my kids in the green school. We had rented a house. We had our visas. Everything was set. Two days before we we're supposed to get on the plane, the second wave hit Indonesia and the country shut down, <laughs> just shut down. And I mean, we were like helpless. We were homeless. We had just rented out our house in Canada. <laughs> we're like, whoa, now what? You know, because we, we had, that's where we were going to set up our life. So um, that's how we ended up in Dubai. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah, you never know. You never know where life is going now to take here you. you are writing the future there. <laughs> yeah, and this is the right place to be, to yeah. actually have a super supportive environment, very pro-blockchain, pro-decentralization kind of a region right now. So that's also really cool. Sweet. Synchronicity. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, great. Now, question three here is... Uh, have you seen or experienced your work affect a person or the world on a deep level? And if so, hmm. tell us about it. Hmm. It hasn't happened for everybody. I think, you know, this is a question that actually almost brings me to tears, honestly. I think I'm very lucky. And sometimes we forget, I think. You know, as a creator, you're always looking at the next project. You never feel that you've reached the pinnacle. You're always, at least I am, you're always dissatisfied with what you put out there or critical. And at the same time, you know, I feel so fortunate to have been a part of projects that have moved people. Um, there's two things that come to mind. One is a movie and another is a personal experience. So the first, uh, I, I was part of a movie called Water, which is directed by Deepa Mehta, who's um, a really renowned, world renowned, globally renowned uh, female um, director, film director. And we ended up being Oscar nominated, but it's, it was such an opportunity to take the story of Hindu widows from the 1950s and be able to tell their story. Um, and it's a very specific, it's a film about a very specific time and place and very specific culturally. But I think that when you hit on universal themes and when you work without ego and in such a collaborative way as we did when we were making that film, the audience is gonna feel it. They're just gonna feel it. It just emanates from the screen. And that's what happened with this film. It was like such an incredible experience working on it. And then it became a little film that could. And people have always said that again, even though it's about a very specific theme, it's very universal. It's again about, well, the suppression of women over the ages, but you know, 
hoping for something better, striving for something better, human interactions. So it's just a film that's touched a lot of people's hearts and I'm super, super grateful to have been a part of that. Um, then I guess because of my public career, I have been able to um, become, you might say, an advocate for cancer awareness. And that has definitely fulfilled my cup when it comes to like purpose. So I was diagnosed with a very rare cancer called multiple myeloma in 2009 and came out of the blue. I'm 37. And this is cancer that normally affects people who are in their 60s. So it was a kind of a very unusual, freaky diagnosis. And I still remember that, you know, initially you go through those stages. I cycled through those stages very quickly, denial, anger, and da, da, and I accepted it pretty quickly. And there were certain circumstances in my life. I was in Toronto at that time because my mom had passed. I'd started my treatment. I was on very heavy steroids. So I gained 40 pounds in a month. And then I get a call from one of my film directors, I was doing a lot of indie films back in the day. That's where my heart lay. You know, great stories, small budgets, really like guerrilla filmmaking, but I loved it. And two of my films were going to be at the Toronto International Film Festival. So I was invited to walk, walk the red carpet, but now I had not told anyone about being diagnosed with cancer. So I was suddenly in the circle, you know, in these circumstances of having to make a very big decision. Number one, I can just hide. I can just say, no, I can't do it. Sorry, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm indisposed, I'm traveling. Or I realized I could actually use these circumstances, use a red carpet, which I was always very deeply uncomfortable with that entire red carpet culture of like, first of all, of body shaming women, of, you know, always, sort of, you know, the, the, the blatant commercialization of everything that you present on the red carpet. You become a mannequin basically for a designer, for shoes, for bag, for makeup and everything like that, for whatever you're promoting. Never a, a cause that I could actually connect with. So I thought maybe I will announce my diagnosis on the red carpet, you know, 40 pounds overweight. So I ended up doing that. And um, it was a decision that actually changed my life for the better. Not just about changing other people's lives, it changed my life because I was able to drop the entire kind of all the shame that is there in South Asian cultures around talking about serious illnesses because it's a very real kind of taboo in a lot of South Asian cultures. Like you never talk about difficult times. And that obviously gave me also purpose, something, some purpose during a very difficult period of time when I was going through my treatment. You know, I had an outpouring of support. I started a blog and off of that, I wrote my book. And I've been very passionate, obviously, about really spreading the word about, you know, um, and advocating for, or, you know, preventative uh, kind of um, health, um, what one should do when one is diagnosed and also for the South Asian community, just being able to stand up on a stage and talk about my experience can be very cathartic for, um, 
for a culture where we have traditionally hid a lot of these things. Ah, totally, totally. And that would take like a mountain of courage from you to do that. You know, when you were feeling the, you know, 40 pounds overweight, you're this like icon in these certain ways. And then for you to just be like, yeah, I could hide. I could, you know, say I couldn't be there, but then to take it as an opportunity and go do that. And when you, um, you know, dig down and when you show courage and you uh, exercise like self, I don't know, like awareness or like you just, you allow, you allow yourself to be vulnerable then mm. you show others how to do it too and for you know in those cultures where it's taboo to do that um for people to see that like it's so cool you'll never even know the ripple effect of that decision and i'm sure it's huge i still i i, I know it's very kind of you to say that i actually don't see it as courage it was almost like um you know, it was like such a strong impulse because again, I, I kept waking up and saying, why am I hiding this? That, you know, the the effort it took to hide was greater than it was to be open yeah. at a certain point. So that was sort of the tipping point for me. But thank you for like um, also touching on vulnerability. And if anything, I felt that like vulnerability and authenticity was something that we needed to see a lot more of within those realms, within the so-called glamorous kind of settings, whether it's a red carpet or, you know, to bring that into those conversations was just cathartic for me because I always felt like wrong. I always felt like a fraud in those settings. You know, I always felt like, like, um, I don't know, like, like I said, like a mannequin, and I just didn't want that feeling anymore. So in a weird way, cancer was very liberating for me. And, you know, and I'm happy if I was, if I was able to connect with people and inspire them in some way. But I also, I believe I'm sitting here today because, because I chose to be vulnerable, I myself received so much support that I cannot, you know, dismiss the fact that it had such a powerful effect on my healing as well it was incredible the kind of love and support that I also got from strangers you know yeah. and we're all human we're all in this together and none of us are getting out alive so we do the best that we can <laughs> <laughs> no we're not it's so cool uh last thing on this but it's it's like vulnerability <clears throat> from like we we, we sort of see it before we engage with it, we see it as maybe a weakness, you know, like we're, you know, I've had times in my life where I'm like, oh, I don't want to be vulnerable in that way, because then it's like, yeah, it's a sign of weakness, or you're showing your cards, and people could, you know, uh, I guess, blast you on it, but um, it's actually a superpower, and like, vulnerability, just open-hearted vulnerability, has this like amazing, transformative effect on those that it touches it's really cool uh, it's so cool that you say that I agree it is a superpower and I mean it take yeah it does take a certain amount of courage or a certain amount of <clears throat> let's say challenging societal norms because society you know a lot of the messaging in society is is that that teaches you you know be a badass 
be a warrior and this is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. You've got to be Teflon. You can't let anyone know what you're thinking. People take advantage of you. And it paints this picture of our society as some sort of like Game of Thrones. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's incredible the shift that happens when you have the courage to be vulnerable. And even if somebody doesn't understand that, believe me, you're affecting them in some way and you're affecting your own force field. And that is a superpower. And there are a lot of people who will respond to that. I guarantee it as well. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I feel like that led perfectly into this. Next question. Okay. What's your definition of art? well yeah that's that's that is a challenging one because I can feel it I like to say you know art first of all I'm going to put this out there and it might drive some people crazy but Art is and can be anything, anything. Art is for everyone. Art is art is an expression of being human. I think. And art is everywhere. I just want to leave it at that because again, this there's a trap in kind of art interpretation. Um, you have to sort of sometimes either dig deep or use some pretentious terms. And I don't want to do that because art happens in the space between words. And art is a feeling. So I'm going to leave that. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I mean, what you're doing is uh, like rejecting the pretentiousness of like the art establishment. And I feel like Mm -hmm. I think that's really awesome because, uh, you know, I'm an artist and I have lots of friends who, um, I mean, I hear all the time, everyone's like, I'm not an artist. I can't even draw a stick figure. So, and then they feel that they're like not included in the conversation. And, you know, I feel like the art establishment Maybe it's because people who have often gone into art have sort of been on the fringes of society as it is. So then once yeah. they got into the art establishment and then they created the establishment, maybe they're trying to like keep like build walls to keep out the rest of the world because they've sort of felt like an outsider. So it's an opportunity for those people to- That's a very good, like almost like Jungian type interpretation. I like that, (laughs) seriously, yeah. Yeah, so it's almost like a way of being like, whoa, we are the the sneeches with the star bellies and you're not anymore. So it keeps the people out. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's why why you got to do the inner work to understand where all that's coming from (laughs) and not replicate it. But here's again, what's cool about the current movement that we're in. And this is, I would leave you almost with this question, any creator at the intersection of creativity and tech. Now, the question we have to ask ourselves, all creators, anyone can be a creator, right? 
if there are no obstacles, what would you create and what would you do? If there's nothing in your way, what would you do? Awesome. That's a great question. That just lit my mind up. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so neat because, uh, yeah, there's all these like perceived barriers that we have built up. And so then like that, with those barriers, we sort of figure out who we are within that construct and those frames. Um, but the irony of it is that in your question, what if there's no barriers, then that allows me and all the other creators to just be an authentic, like no holds barred creative force doing what we are most geared to do. And then from yeah. there, like, that's probably where your power would truly lie. And like the barriers don't even can't even like touch that anyway. That's why I wanted to leave you with that. And of course, now with blockchain and NFTs, the thing is that you can create boundaryless art and you can also share it yeah. without barriers. There are not, I mean, the barriers to entry are all minimal now. And that's again, what's cool. And that's where I think we need like a quantum shift even in creators' minds. Yeah. And, you know, creators are obviously the most imaginative, the most, like, open, the most liberal thinkers in general. But even this requires a big quantum shift in perspective. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to explore, and that's what we need to keep asking ourselves. And that's where we'll have, like, a really, really healthy art revolution. I like it. <laughs> all right all right cool um all right well this is all this is awesome you knock those questions out of the park um at this point in the podcast i always like to thank my guest for being on and uh sharing your wisdom and your perspective with us and i just want to take a special moment to honor you and all the awesomeness that you have created that you've been a part of um you know, in this quick conversation already, I, I very much feel the art that is you and, and mm. been pushing the limits and exploring the spaces and, and now, and, and like you've, you've gone through this whole experience up until now with your life and your art, and now you're turning around and you're, you're sharing it with everybody else. And you're, you know, you've, you've climbed over the, the wall and now you're helping others get over it too so big cheers to you for everything you're doing and, it, and it's it's so awesome oh taylor i'm blushing <laughs> <laughs> i love i mean i love this conversation because of course i do love connecting with creators from everywhere again you know it should be a boundaryless geography agnostic world and this is this has been like this has been so rad i love the conversation and i love that you really i mean you're a great listener and you get it you know i think that you also get what i'm trying to say and that helps to direct everything um and you know we're all in it together we really are so you know thank you for your support 
And, uh, and, you know, I also want to like turn around and say, thank you. Thank you for being so awesome at what you're doing and also pushing the boundaries and questioning and, you know, having discussions and discourse. This is like, this is what we have to do. We have to participate. You know, if you want change, you've got to participate. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's how we move forward. Yay. Um, okay. Awesome. Now at this point, what's that? I just said awesome. Yeah, super awesome. Um, now, why don't you tell everybody where they can follow you, where you, they can connect with you and with the Upside Space? Okay. So I'm going to share the Upside Space's socials. It's at the Upside Space, uh, all one word, no spaces. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you guys on the Upside. And listen, we're really open to feedback and any critiques love it love the engagement we're all about building community and we want to hear from you um my personal socials are at lisa rani ray r-a-n-i is my middle name and it actually means princess in hindi um don't judge me by it it's what my daddy calls me <laughs> that's great cool all right, well, at this point, we're going to take a little break and then we'll come back to part two. But before we go, um, I'm hoping you can give us a little on-the-spot wisdom. It can be about anything. Mm. On-the-spot wisdom. You know what I've been thinking about is I've been such an extremist for a lot of my life. Like whenever I started something new, you know, whether I was touching Buddhism or... Um, creativity, I tend to go, you know, deep into that, like I lose myself. And here's the thing that's really cool about getting married and having kids, because it's not something that I thought I would ever do. First of all, I was resistant my whole life. But, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's gonna like, you know, you're gonna be chained. It's gonna, you know, um, um, it's going to create barriers in your life. But having a family, it's been like so liberating. I like to think of it as like they hold my strings. I'm the kite and, you know, I actually have a place to come back to. So I don't know, I guess, you know, just talking about relationships and being in relation to other human beings, whatever form that might take, so precious, so important. And, you know, it's really important to be patient you know, and work on yourself, but finding the right companion is, is pretty awesome. That's awesome. I love it. Perfect. Well, we will be right back. Part two is brought to you by Steady State Roasting in Carlsbad, California. This place is my favorite coffee shop on the West Coast, and the coffee is the best. They roast all their own coffees from around the world and have a roasting collective for the local coffee making community. Check them out in the village of Carlsbad or order their beans online at steadystateroasting.com. And we are back. All right, Lisa, how are you feeling? Oh man, I, I feel like I could just talk and talk and talk and talk. I feel like I've been working up a sweat as well. What does that mean? <laughs> well, you did just say that you had to go. I, I love these kinds of conversations, you know, anything to do with 
creativity, but questioning, questioning the nature of it all um, is super important. And that is the responsibility of a creator. I think you can't just ever sit, you know, or wallow in your comfort zone, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Push the limits. And so we were, I mean, we, you know, I'm, I wanted to ask you about some of your art practices as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And thanks. Sir. So we were just talking in between um, the parts and yeah, I, I showed you this new painting that I did at this music festival and it was so much fun to create that way. And so like this one, a lot of painting, a lot of paintings um, that I do have like a destination that I have in mind, it's got to be this or else it's not finished because it's custom art and it's for other mm -hmm. people. And so uh, on the other end of things, I like to push the limit where I I have no idea what I'm gonna do, and um, and I just let the you know creative flow kind of happen, and one thing lead to another, and and that's how that yeah. painting took place. And I, yeah, it's it's fun. I like to throw as much into a piece as I as is appropriate, I guess, or as I can. Different styles, different feelings, different emotions and energies, and and then figure out how to tie it all together nicely. It's so interesting, actually. Um, the piece that you showed me in between is like, I love that kind of surrealism, but you can still, um, I don't know, it's, there's still something very familiar about it as well, right? Like the best mm. surrealist images have a combination between something that is so like wackadoodle and yet strangely familiar, <laughs> yeah. strangely comforting. Um, so I love that. I love that that's, you know, part of your visual language and that you're experimenting all the time. And, you know, we were, we were also discussing like the fact that you're doing a lot of like murals and public art. And that is so powerful because on so many different levels that obviously skips over the ritualistic kind of steps of the traditional art world or the art establishment. And really like at its core brings art for everyone it brings art out into the streets literally yeah. and that's so and I was like sharing with you that one of the uh, upcoming exhibitions for the upside space that I'm very excited about is with um, an organization called Fearless Collective as run by this amazing um, Indian artist called Shiloh Shiv Suleiman and she's from India, but she's done fabulous install, you know, installations in Burning Man and Bali and stuff like that. And she started a collective called Fearless Collective where um, she goes into parts of the world where women don't feel safe and gets other female artists to paint with her, like do these like massive public street art installations. And we're so kicked about that because again, that is like art in action. That's art for social change. And what we're doing, which is what's really cool that you can do with NFTs is um, Fearless Collective is gonna create like these digital kind of representations of the art that they wanna do. And so people who buy that actually become patrons and they're supporting the movement. So that money will go to supporting the actual street art. And we were saying it's really poignant because the street art is ephemeral. It's not gonna last forever, but the NFT will. Yep. <laughs> in theory. Yep. So, you know, it, I mean, it's just so much fun exploring 
and trying to see like, what do I want to do with this tech? What do I want to be? Where do I want to go? Like it's boundaryless, you know? The point is like, what's your intention? What do you want to see? What do you want to grow out of it? What new worlds do you want to co-create? And I wanted to share, actually, I saw a really interesting um, kind of public um, performance uh, out here in Dubai. It was um, an NFT drop, it was an NFT curated art exhibition at the Museum of the Future, which is such a cool building. I don't know if you've seen this huh. building, you've got to check it out. The Museum of the Future, it's iconic. The building is, you know, it's, it's just ever since it's launched and it's just maybe hardly been a year, the building in and of itself is imprinted on people's minds. Um, but anyways, it's this incredible, kind of round figure, you know, and it's got this beautiful calligraphy all over it. So this was the first NFT drop inside the building and under this like domed, calligraphic dome, they were displaying a lot of really cool um, fine art NFT, which is curated by one of our collaborators, Moral Collective. But there's this artist called Fabian Rashid and he operates at the intersection of creativity, tech, and spirituality, which is really cool. So I think you're gonna love this. So what he did is it was kind of a public unperformance. So he created, he generated an image. Uh, did you just say public unperformance? It's called an unperformance. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. first what he did is he used like AI to generate um, an image that he saw just before sleeping. So what he's trying to do is map his subconscious, right? <laughs> so he felt like, right? How cool yeah. is that? So he created this image and it came to him and it's kind of like the city in a dome. So he puts that, so it's called the dream catcher. So he, that's at the top of the image. Then to create the feathers at the bottom of the dream catcher, he sat and he meditated and he had the, kind of like these electrodes and it was connected to a program where he was generating, according to his brain waves, he generated the image of the feathers and the color and the texture and everything like that. So this is actually a map of his subconscious. So it's called an unperformance because he was just sitting there meditating. <laughs> well, how cool is that? <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> like it's such a interesting piece visually, but also obviously conceptually. The story behind it is so juicy. So yeah. I love this, you know, I love artists that are starting to, like I said, being able to like use all the tools at their disposal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, something that you said stood out to me and uh, and is really cool. So, well, and, and just powerful right now, I feel like. So, you know, the Fearless Collective. Um, it's it's working with women and connecting women and you know giving them a voice in places that they don't have it um mm -hmm. and it's really neat because like one of the features of nfts and nft drops and whatever it's it's community building and so yeah. and it's connecting across space and time and people can um you know be part by collecting nfts they can be part <laughs> of these communities with um, similar interests and like-mindedness and whatever. And um, it seems like from my perspective, a, a big 
challenge to women's movements in places where they are um, under-respected and um, you know minimized um, is it they are their freedoms are taken away freedom like education is not provided the same like um, you know the the ability to collect and connect and have conversations and dance and just be um, all these things are taken away and it's neat to think that like through nfts um, and art it, it can be like helping that because that's i mean like worldwide this is like i think one of the biggest problems on the planet right now is the mm. way that women are treated from what's going on in Iran, Iran right now, um, to all of the um, liberties with like reproductive rights in the United States. Like um, there's just, and it's always been like that in in Western civilization and civilizations all over the world is like um, just a dominance, a male dominance. Um, and, And it's cool to think that maybe this can be like a tool for um liberation against that oh god yeah for sure that is definitely like such a powerful conversation thread um i mean we do have you know the tech like we've seen things like the arab spring you know um happen on twitter and you know these sort of tech tools being used for social change or communication or being able to connect and create community um And I do think that NFTs are like the newest iteration of that and also very powerful, um, a very powerful tool to be able to to actually have an income or monetize certain, um, uh, like a certain creative output or support also a cause. So it can be a great fundraising tool as well. And I would love to see more conversation around that. I know that there are even dedicated platforms that do that. And, you know, here's where we need to change the conversation as well. It's the media. In general, the mainstream media tends to be so sensationalistic and never actually present a really well-rounded view of the potential and the possibility of NFTs, blockchain and crypto. And we just get these really sensationalist, you know, kind of headlines that, that, you know, and and, and that that are fear-based and make people fearful and make people step back from really understanding, like making their own decisions before embracing a new tech. Um, And that's really disturbing, but you know, people, I'll give you an example also, like we did a digital exhibition in Sri Lanka, in Colombo, pre-launch, and we weren't planning to do that, but we have an excellent curator, Keisara, on the ground in Colombo. And I don't know if you've been following this because there's been a lot going on in the world, but Sri Lanka has gone through so much turmoil in the last one year. The country's bankrupt. It's been heartbreaking because basic amenities were cut off. Electricity was cut off. Um, It's been really, really hard. And it's a beautiful nation. I love Sri Lanka. I actually shot my film Water, my Oscar-nominated film, was actually shot in Sri Lanka. So I really know the country very well. And you know, every country is complex. It's not any one thing. But it's really heartbreaking to see that. So we felt like, why don't we go down there and champion the creative community? Um, We put together 
a fidgetal, so fidgetal means physical and digital, right? Uh, kind of exhibition. And we were co-hosted by David McKinnon, who was the Canadian high commissioner, which is very kind uh, to do that, to support us. And, you know, it was more about just, again, champion, championing the creative community, uplifting, having like an uplifting kind of experience, not even like selling NFTs. We didn't expect to sell any because it's not the most tech forward um, culture right now. And everyone's been going through a lot. But of course, the NFTs are for sale because, you know, we are supporting the artists. Artists need to eat. And that is at the heart of, of also the blockchain movement. So, you know, it was just incredible. I got the chance to meet the artists and connect with people and talk to people and spread the gospel word and explain to people what all this is about. We almost sold out, first of all, which I'm so happy about because ultimately our artists are benefiting. Number two, having those conversations with artists made me understand again or reinforce this idea of how powerful it is to be able to reach and access a global audience uh, and not be dependent on volatile regional circumstances right like think about it you know your 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 currency is worth nothing um your country is bankrupt how do you feed yourself how do you feed your practice as well um well i mean if you're making nfts you can actually continue to earn an income that was so powerful to see that and have those conversations and this is another way, like in the vein of what we're talking about, like for women from regions, you know, where they don't have a voice, where they don't have a lot of independence, this can be a very powerful tool. I would love to see more and more of that come into cultural conversation as opposed to like, oh, it's all about flipping or it's a scam or da, 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 da. You know, I mean, no one thing, tech is neutral. Guys, everyone, listen to me. Tech is neutral. At the end of the day, it's the intention behind it. What do you want to do with it? And just like we're having this conversation on a smartphone, we wouldn't have thought that we would have had, you know, that this would be so integrated into our lives, you know, like 10 or 12 years ago. This is just a fact of our life now. But the phone is neutral. You can use it to threaten someone and you can use it to uplift someone. That's it's the same thing with NFTs in my view. Yeah. Yeah. And the NFT world is so new. So new. We had like you know, the, the NFT market and Bitcoin and, you know, um, blockchain and everything. It's like, there was this like big bubble that happened. And then, you yeah. know, the world is insane right now that we went, <laughs> went through COVID as a planet. And then, uh, and every economy shut down, tons of people, you know, died and there was just like chaos. And then yeah. now there's like unrest in, you know, Ukraine and everything. There's just like, there's so much happening. And uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of people are kind of trashing on NFTs at at the moment or like, you know, they're like crypto investments, but uh, it's here to stay. And we're just barely at the beginning. And uh, I actually am kind of glad that it's all happened. Not glad, but it, I think it's not a total negative because it actually got a bunch of people out of the space that were just yes. for the BS investment. And now they, you know, now it's like, now that that's out of the way, we can get to like the real creative stuff and we can start building from there. And this is going long-term. It's not going away. It's, it's just going to keep building. So I'm excited. I'm so with you, but like Taylor, I'm so with you on that. Like it's, it's a strange thing for co-founder of an NFT platform to say that, but the correction and the crypto winter that we're going through is 
fantastic for the market. It's going to allow the market to mature. It's going to be, we're going to see like a 2.0 version of it and the quality is going to rise to the surface and all of the noise is hopefully going to like blow up. The stuff that really is like very opportunistic is like starting to anyways blow up and that's good. That's a good thing. But like anything that's new has to go through that. You know, let's not forget that. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good time. Actually, it's a good time. Yeah. What else is it? What else would you like to talk about? Oh man. Well, have you ever been to Dubai? I have not, but I'm intrigued. It's so interesting because I think that Dubai specifically and the UAE has, is going through like this cultural renaissance. And so many people, I feel like so many people are talking about it so much more than before. Mm-hmm. And the <clears throat> Opinions and perspective on Dubai are really radically changing, which is good, which is really good. It's really important to be open um, because, you know, there's so much growth coming from these areas, from these regions. Dubai is incredibly cosmopolitan, eclectic, um, only 51 years old, by the way. Yeah. It's a super young country. So think about what they've accomplished in 51 years. Not bad. Mm-hmm. and incredibly harmonious you know I mean it's just uh, honestly when you're walking around any of these you know any of the streets these days you see and hear languages from see people of all ethnic backgrounds and hear languages from like all over the world yeah and I feel like it's such a cool social experiment going on that's here to stay and really it's incredible how you know we've embraced Dubai and Dubai has embraced us it's like a very welcoming place and that's not the normal narrative that's being sold around the world yeah about this region so i think it's really important to talk about that totally. it's really important and then again art and culture is like soft power so if you put art and culture forward that's a great way in for people to understand like a region how about india have you been to india i have not been to india yet no okay what's on your bucket list where do you want to travel to like if you, the top three destinations. Oh yeah. Um, well, Spain is one. My mm-hmm. my uh, heritage is Spanish, and I haven't actually been there. I studied abroad in Italy. I've been around Europe a little bit. I've been um, in yeah through parts of Mexico and Central America. Never been to South America, uh, Africa, India. Yeah, I mean. I, I want to go everywhere <laughs> like so much special amazingness in every single part of the planet like there's not it's um I've talked about this every once in a while friends how it's interesting how at up until a certain point in your life you can be bored and then there's a certain point where maybe your consciousness and awareness of what is out there and what's possible becomes bigger than the amount of time that you have left and so like every single moment could be spent doing something awesome and there's more like everything's so much bigger than you and your your little lifespan so like uh, yeah that is exactly I mean that that's that's kind of like the best endorsement of travel that I've heard right (laughs) yeah it's like follow the force that's bigger than you and you know and of course we're so much more connected but we've got to connect in authentic ways because as, as I pointed out you know like the 
traditional media outlets don't always give you, you know, the, the most truthful reflection of what's going on in a region. You've got to actually get out there and make your own decision. And so I'm all about travel and exploration. And the, the regions that I feel most passionately about are experienced kind of like a renaissance as well, whether it's like South Asia, like India is becoming a global power. Um, and it's a complicated country, but it's so rich. It's not any one thing. And I feel like everyone should experience India once in their life. It will really turn you inside out and upside down and make you question all of your belief systems and notions of how things work in the world. It's a unique place and we've got to take a taste of that. But I also feel that this is my philosophy. If you're born in the West, you've got to go and live in the East for some time. If you're born in the East, you've got to go out and experience the West, you yeah. know? Yeah, that right. is so essential, I think, for, for the next generation as well, so that we don't, you know, cultivate a generation of like the kind of leadership that we've got right now. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And uh, and it's so neat what happens to you when, OK, so like being from the West, uh, I've gotten to go to Istanbul and then I've also been I went to Egypt um and like two two and a half weeks there a friend lives there and um my fiance and I went out and it was just amazing and um but it's so cool because you know the thought of going traveling to Egypt people you know at home might be like oh my gosh all I hear is bad things on the news and it's dangerous and this and that and then you go you know and it's another culture and maybe it you know maybe something bad could happen and then you go and you eventually have the realization that everywhere you go, people at their essence are, are very similar. And, yeah. um, and the things that you see as different from the outside, you get comfortable with them with them. And then all of a sudden it's just normal within a week or two, you, you normalize to like the different sights and smells and scenes and tastes and, and, and cultural norms and you're like oh yeah that's just well you're, you're you're creative so i think that that makes you a little bit more adaptable maybe um as okay. well yeah then then maybe the average person but i would want that for everyone oh, i would yeah. just want that for everyone and to be able to yeah and to like cut through all those perceptions and barriers that we build up and stories about other people in our own minds right yeah. take politics out of it take the politics out of it and just connect with human beings. Yeah. It's so travel does that art does that, you know, these are the Tell ways me. that we share our stories. We're just sharing our stories and all sitting around and laughing about it at the end of the day. Right. And that's, yeah. I feel really passionately again about being able to maybe specifically a North American audience. I mean, look, I'm, you know, I was born in Canada. Mm -hmm. I've lived in the States. My husband's family's in the States. So, you know, um, obviously North America has been, you know, the dominant kind of region and culture for some time now, but it's changing. And I think it's really important for North Americans to adapt to the world or else they're gonna be left behind. Yep. So that's like one practical reason to like, get more knowledgeable, go out there, explore, have conversations, but also to be able to get humble and, and connect and, you know, create, you know, it's idealistic, but to work to co-create yeah. a better world together, you know, 
and not and and you know again this is a spirit of descent right decentralization which is a web three value that we're starting to see and maybe it's going to be like the next generation that's going to be able to completely reinvent the way that we've been running the world so far because it ain't working <laughs> it's not working so hot you know whether you talk about environmental issues warming politics inequities you know in the world in income like all of these things are just not working something's got to give and you know and that's where i love the spirit of went of web three and when you actually explain that to people they start getting it but a lot of that is just is not explained you know as i said you know we just see these sensational headlines oh crypto is a scam blah 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 it's so volatile but it's based on this idea of decentralization, taking the power out of the hands of a few and giving it to many. I mean, I can get behind that, you know, yeah. the collective. Yeah. The co but it does take responsibility, right? You've mm -hmm. got to actually participate like in the old Greek system of democracy. Awesome, love it. Um, okay, something's popped into my head here. Occasionally, I have people who are uh, meditators come on the podcast, and I always want to throw out a little invite to them to maybe, if you wanted, we don't have to, but if you wanted, you could lead us through a little like minute long meditation. Oh, <laughs> um, see, I do. A Only really if you want. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. But I can explain what I do. It's Perfect. easy enough. Perfect. I mean, having explored a lot of different types of meditation, I have settled on a very, I've settled on a very simple shamatha breath work, breath awareness, because your breath is always with you. Your breath, how do you want to know you're alive? You're breathing. That's <laughs> it. It's your most constant companion. And I think that, you know, I mean, there's so many options. Again, it's become very confusing, this entire wellness industry. And, you know, like I, I love, like, say, the Insight app, but it can get very confusing. Like, what do I do today? And then you're, you're actually not relaxing your mind. You're getting even more stressed out trying to figure out which meditation should I choose. So what I like doing in the morning is just centering breath work inner. So it's really just about closing your eyes and tuning into your breath. And I just use like a hand on my tummy so I can actually feel like my tummy expand with the in-breath and then go out with the out-breath. And it's as simple as that, is tuning into that. I can still get distracted. I think what's something that's really important and key. And I was just having a conversation with someone yesterday. So this is why I'm going back to it. And, you know, excuse me if you already know this and obviously experienced meditators know this, but meditation is not about zoning out. It's not about, you know, getting blissed out, checking out. That is meditation is about being here and now and being very conscious and aware of what is in front of you. It's about touching reality and being comfortable with what's uncomfortable. So this is a great technique, this mindfulness or this breath meditation of being able to be super present. So what's going to happen is it's not like, oh, I'm going into this state and all of a sudden I have no thoughts and I've like just achieved enlightenment. No, 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 no. You're going to get distracted by your thoughts. But as you do it, start with one minute, go to five, 
I said, and keep focusing on the physical feeling of your breath, right? You can also count sometimes. You can use your, you know, you can count your breath. That's also super helpful sometimes. But just develop that shamatha breath meditation. And what starts happening is the thoughts will continue, but they'll start like, you're going to start getting space and distance with your thoughts. So the ultimate kind of, I think, great technique is just becoming a witness. If you want to ask me what's like the greatest liberating tool is become a witness. Just witness everything. Watch, be the observer of your life, of your thoughts, of everything going on around you without getting completely entangled. And that's where meditation is like a great starting point for that. So that's my spiel. Trying to like break it down, having done much more complex meditations and they've been super helpful for me. And then, you know, obviously I encourage everyone to explore and see what suits you. And I'll still go back to other more complex visualizations and Tibetan Buddhism is about like a lot of complex visualizations and things like that and mantras. Super amazing, but actually don't make it like make your life simple. Our life is already super complicated. Just go back to your breath. Hmm. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. You, uh, you just said the words meditation is about touching reality. Mm. That was exquisite. <laughs> uh, that was awesome. That was awesome. Thank you. Well, this has been cool. awesome. You know what? I think like my damn phone is running low. Well, that's, that's all good. I think, I think we did. <laughs> I think we did great. I think this will, I think, I think we did the thing. This is, is, I think we did the thing. It feels really good. Yeah, good. Let me ramble on about pretty much all my passions. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I mean, not to love about that. I love listening. Thing. I'm sure the, 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 and, and even meditation, which I love. I, I do. I can go on and on about meditation, but like, right, like we owe it to ourselves to simplify our lives now. Yes. Yeah. Not add in more stuff, like actually subtract. Right. Right. And Uncover. I like, I like the meditation element of, um, you know, connecting to reality. Everybody thinks that meditation, if you, if you're not, if you're having thoughts, then you're doing it wrong. And, and so that's why people are like oh i i can't meditate i tried and it didn't work it's like that's not what it's about and I, I like what you're saying is like it's actually like connecting fully to reality and from there you know um if you do it regularly then there will be space within those thoughts in between those thoughts yeah um, that's the that's true freedom yeah there you go and not being affected <laughs> by your thoughts so much not being treated yeah. Great. Well, uh, Lisa Ray, thanks for being on the show. I think Taylor, this was amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank definitely, you. definitely. We'll, uh, we'll, I'll be following you and seeing what's going on and checking out the upside space as you. Please do. I want all of your feedback and I'm going to follow along as well with all of your adventures. And I love what you're doing. I love this podcast. I love see again, you know, like your aspect of self-expression has so many different mediums. That's what it's all about, right? Yeah, yeah, very true. And so cool to do this. So it's like night where you are, it's morning where I am. Yeah, I'm yeah. Well, I hope you... conversation. I hope everyone liked it. I yeah. enjoyed it. 
This is an expression of this time and place where we can do this. And it's so cool. Um, yeah, and I'll, uh, you know, we'll reconnect in a couple of years and you'll you'll come back on and you'll tell us about all the amazing success that has been happening and tell us stories about the artists and all the things. It's going to be so cool. <laughs> yeah, you got to check us out when we go live. Please do. I, re I honestly really want your feedback because it's, again, about artists like telling us, I like this, I don't like this, I love. And I'd love for you to check out, like I said, the art coming out of Bhutan, yeah. out of India, out of Bali, out of Sri Lanka, Pakistan. I, 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 you know, I think you'll be really like, like it'll be a discovery, I hope. Totally. I'm sure it will. Yeah, I will. Cool. Thank you for this. Yeah. And um, I'm going to hop off before my phone does it for me. So it was like fully charged. I've been having major problems with my battery. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. By design, probably. All right. Well, yeah, Lisa, thanks exactly. For being... That's another conversation. <laughs> we don't need to get another... into that. Well, yeah. thanks for being on the show. Uh, this has been awesome. We'll, we'll be in touch. Yeah. And I'd love to see you also experiment with NFTs down the line. You know, I'll, I'll follow along and see where, where you can take that. Oh, yeah. I'm dipping my toe. I'm dipping my toes. I'll be in soon. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Take Cheers. care. Bye. Peace out. Bye. And that, my friends, was Lisa Ray coming in from Dubai. <laughs> How cool. It's really interesting to me that we are exactly on the other side of the planet from each other, um, but we are connected. And, and in that way, this is a period piece because 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 100 years ago, that would have been absolutely impossible. Um, yeah, this is really cool. I love I love everything that she's doing. Her her story of how she got to now is fantastic. And then um, I love how, you know, she's like now helping. She's turning back to the community and then helping bring everybody else up. And uh, another thing that really stood out to me was how um, she didn't, she never really fully resonated with, um, you know, the, the box that she was put in as a model, as an actress, um, you know, like kind of the, the objectification that she talked about and the red carpet experience was like a, a breaking free of that. Uh, yeah, that, it's so, it's powerful. Like that, that story that she told was really powerful. And, and I think it's, it's really awesome. And we can all, you know, take that lesson in, for ourselves um you know the vulnerability being you know a place of power for us and um yeah and it's cool it's just cool to think about all the people that she affected positively through that and and her work today and i'm really excited to see what happens with it and you know nothing's easy no road is is easy without problems uh, and challenges, but she and her partners at the Upside Space are gonna be doing so much cool stuff and um, they're gonna be building up communities and people and artists and um, and the ripple effect of that, like, you know, they're gonna be helping all these artists in these communities. And then those artists are gonna have an effect in their communities and um, it, it just goes on and on. 
and uh, the Fearless Collective. Everybody should look up the Fearless Collective because that is awesome and they're definitely doing good work. Um, powerful stuff in the world right now and that's what we need. What else? Yeah. Everybody uh, jump on Instagram and uh, follow them. Follow the Upside Space and follow uh, Lisa Ronnie Ray because uh, it's going to be fun to watch. And I'm sure that what you're doing right now is probably also fun to watch. So uh, keep doing it. Keep making it and share it out there. You know, you never know who you might affect positively. And, um, you know, there's lots of reasons that we tell ourselves to that hold ourselves, hold us back. Maybe like keep our keep um, ourselves safe and in the box. But by doing that, we're not. We're not allowing the concept, the idea, the expression, the whatever to get out in the world and and maybe like change things and change people for the better. So send it, folks. Just make it and press send. <laughs> that's that's it. That's my thought. So anyway, cheers, everybody.